0: Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name's Dilta Doherty, and in this podcast series, I will be interviewing investors, advisors, entrepreneurs, and recruiters who are based all over the world. Today, I have a slightly different one. I'm interviewing a talent acquisition leader called Lauren Karan, or Karan, maybe. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name right. She is from Brisbane and she's been in recruitment for almost 10 years. She started an agency and went internal and built her career up over the years uh, through our talent acquisition and becoming quite a prominent person in the market, in uh, the Queensland market. Um, But what makes her story interesting is that more recently, she has decided to go back to agency and she's done this because she's been offered more flexibility at a boutique agency than she would have been at, uh, uh, internally in a talent acquisition role with one of the contractors that she's worked with in the past. So I thought this was a really good opportunity to get to know somebody who transitioned from agency to internal and what that means. And, you know, the, the differences in those jobs and what it's like going back to the other side and having to ask for jobs again, and not having all the power, and what's it like to be a working mum who is trying to reform her her identity. Uh, All things that I don't have a clue about. So it it was really great, really great guest. And, you know, she spoke eloquently about a number of subjects. And it's a really exciting time for agency recruitment and for boutique agencies that are springing up and offering a bit more to attract credible people into the market or back into the market or to take people who are being kpi to death at big firms and let them have a bit more of a flexible uh, work-life balance. I think we both agree, though, that there's no harm in doing a few years at a big agency where, you know, you can relearn really your stripes and get on the phone and get... Uh, get good at this job, that's bloody hard. But there does come a time in your career and in your family life where it's important that you are in charge of of your own destiny to a point, but to, to be also in charge of your own schedule and to have an employer that will, you know, just be a bit more flexible around you, your family life, your kids, your goals. And and Lauren found that and it was really cool to get into the detail with it. So that's enough for me. Over to Lauren. Good evening, Lauren. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah.
0: Not too bad, not too bad. I'm uh, it, it's a bit of a, a a bit of a miserable day here in the UK. so 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 take me to where you are. Oh, in it, tropical. It's not Brisbane.
1: A, yeah, not a miserable day here at all. It was beautiful uh, sunshiny day. <laughs> so we've we've had great weather for the last few days. Not not too hot. I think maximum of about twenty six. Um, and yes, it's been really nice taking the kids to the park in the afternoons and things like that. So I, ca- I can't complain about the weather, that's for sure.
0: Are you from Brisbane originally?
1: Uh, I, well, I'm actually from Harvey Bay, which is a coastal town, um, a really small coastal town on the beach. Um, but I moved to Brisbane for a uni and stayed. So I've pretty much been here ever since. Uh,
0: I, had a, I had a brief stint there doing the backpacker thing and uh, I picked beans on a farm in Gympie.
1: Oh, uh, that's that's near Harvey Bay. That's an hour from where I grew up.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I did the three months slave labor to <laughs> to, to get the second year visa, uh, because I didn't know at the time that I could just become a recruiter and get a visa. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what everybody else did. And they you went,
1: should have done that instead of bean picking. You would have made I a lot know. more money.
0: I know. I eventually, I, I got into recruitment after the bean picking, and <laughs> I had a choice between Hayes and Robert Walters. I ended up joining Robert Walters and <gasps> yeah but but you didn't you went the other way right
1: I joined Hayes yeah <laughs> I went the other way
0: <laughs> talk to me about that talk to me about those early days when was that look
1: it's interesting um I think how Hayes does attract um people into recruitment because honestly I they advertised on my university career board and I was doing a degree in psychology at the time and they were looking for recruiters and they said recruitment traineeship at the time, I was studying. I was a sales manager in an automotive company doing recruitment. And I was like, I really enjoy recruitment. Um, don't Never thought it was a career. And then I saw this traineeship. So I ended up applying and doing resourcing. They took me on with the promise of being a consultant. And then I did resourcing in the building market for them for a period while I finished um, uni. Mm-hmm. And then when I finished uni, I went on board as a consultant. And the training was great but I quickly realised that the way I wanted to recruit was just a little bit different to the way that they operated. Um, And the way I wanted to work with my clients was different as well. Uh, I wanted a closer relationship, smaller set of clients that I serviced really well and knew intimately as well. And I I think that it was great training, but it really helped me figure out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to recruit.
0: And you figured out that real early. Like I, I remember those early days and... I just felt like I was in a washing machine. I was just trying to survive. Uh, yeah. Did, did it feel a little like that?
1: Um, I. Yes and no. So the, when I first sort of started, because I was resourcing while I was finishing uni, I got to sit back and kind of observe a lot. Okay. So and and kind of see what consultants were doing and how it worked. And then I feel like when I was when it was time to become a consultant, I was just itching to get going. (laughs) And Mm. by the time I was there, I was ready and I kind of knew what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And I I actually left to go to a contact, another boutique agency, just through word of mouth. They didn't have a job going. I literally, I was quite cocky and young then. And I rocked up to their door and I said, I hear you guys have a really good agency. All my candidates are dealing with you. I want to work for you. And that's how, and I ended up working with them for two years. So it wasn't like I, I saw a job or went out of applying. I what just, a
0: ballsy young lady you were!
1: Eh? I was, <laughs> I was. But I thought, I thought, I, I know what I. Was doing. By that time, I'd been re- resourcing for a period. I'd seen what consultants were doing, consultants were doing, and I thought, no, you know what? I I, I can do this for a smaller company, and I want to deal with some clients a bit more closely because at Hayes, I, I you know, I'd have a candidate in another you know what it's like in another uh, p- client and they have a job in another state or something and you have to give it to a different consultant and, you know, splitting fees and all that sort of stuff. And I just went, oh, you know what? I just want to deal with a couple of clients myself. And yeah. it worked out well.
0: And that was 2008, 2010. The rest of the world was yes. falling apart. It was a disaster. But Brisbane was all right, right? It wasn't too bad.
1: It was okay. I do remember, though, we were a team. It ended up getting down to the two directors, myself and I think one other consultant. And I remember those times I was dealing with a large client and I placed a really senior role. And they actually said to me, we've got a recruitment freeze on. Can you cut your fees? So I was being forced to have to, you know, even though it was a senior role, a hard to source role, Mm. they weren't using agencies. So I had to cut my fees like significantly. So I remember those times really different to the the times I'm seeing now but back then it was almost like you you had to be really flexible about around fees because things were starting to it wasn't as bad in Brisbane Mm. but it wasn't great like companies didn't want to use agencies and people I mean I remember a big agency at the time pretty much cut their team in half so it was and I think it was it was an awkward time in in agency because you were being asked to cut your fees and yeah, it wasn't, I wouldn't say an easy time. So if you had good clients, you had to kind of keep them close and work closely with them. So you still got the jobs on.
0: Now, those years in Brisbane and in Perth are synonymous with the resource industry. And yes. It being a crazy boom. I, I remember hearing the figures that Hayes were doing back then. And it it, it just sounds astronomical. Like it's unparalleled it's, it's to anything I hear of today for, for anybody um, mm. because there was just, you know, it's a bill, it's billion, it's billion dollar industries and it's a, it's in a very small geographic location. And they were the big boys that got in at the right time and made it happen. W- what was it like going into a little agency and going up against them? How-
1: yeah, you know what? The 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 biggest thing there's advantages of going to a little agency, and and but the hard part is I honestly feel, and I think every consultant feels like this when you sit down for your first day in in a small agency. And you go, okay, now I've got to find work. I've got to build a desk. It's completely different to Hayes. And you sit down, and you know, there's normally a senior consultant feeding you jobs, and it's coming through. Whereas it's kind of I feel you're building your desk and you are competing with, and I'm even finding that now, you're competing with other agencies that have resources, that have mm. all these um, these people and grunt behind them, but you can still beat them <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you have a different relationship with your clients and understanding of your clients because that's what I quickly realised. There was that gap in the market for people that, you know, knew their markets really well and could fill a job by maybe calling a couple of people because they'd been in it for so long rather than relying on a database, more relying on the people they know and the connections they've built over years of experience in one market. Mm. So I think that's the difference. You've got to have that in a small agency. And I remember how daunting it was going from a haze where it was all kind of given to you Mm. to a smaller company where you had warm leads, a couple, but the rest of it was pretty much go out and get your clients and get your jobs on and then you can start making money
0: you know when when i was at a large agency i i remember thinking oh i did i built this desk myself but now that I run my own business and I have done for a while, I can look back and think I was actually fed 90% of it. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, people like, and, and when I when I interview recruiters now, they say, oh, I built this desk from scratch. I'm like, well, you didn't really. There's 15 people beside you. They may be in a slightly different vertical, but you didn't really do it all by yourself. And Exactly. And it takes to going to a small agency. We have to fend for yourself to... To really get that, so so you did two years, and I presume you enjoyed it. And oh, I did, yeah. And then you you went to the dark side,
1: right? I did. I was actually so John Holland was one of my biggest clients, and I really liked the company. And a job came up, and we had a bit of a chat, um, myself and the client, about you know, would it, what did I think of internal? And I had considered internal because obviously I. Join recruitment initially to get into HR, I thought. Um, and so that was kind of my goal. I thought, well, internal offers me more career opportunities um, rather than just recruitment. And so I decided to join John Holland then um, at that point and I guess work for one of my clients did, instead of Did,
0: did they double agency. your base salary?
1: No, the money wasn't even that great. Uh, that uh, Internal just doesn't pay as well as... Um, you know, if you're billing in um, agency internal, doesn't pay as well. I honestly don't. I don't think people over here go for inter- to internal for the money. Where do you hear I
0: this? Think... Then? I think. What did you say? Where do you hear this? Then when I when when we started in Perth, and um, Charlotte, my wife, was working in Hayes. Similar similar uh, story to yourself, but she did, yeah. she'd done six months in Hayes, and we went out for a night out, and we met somebody from our hometown. Uh, from my hometown who was at BHP and yep. Charlotte was offered a, Charlotte was offered a job with them and she went from 55 to a hundred thousand AUD overnight with, uh, with that was that they, that was just, you know, like when that boom was happening and we'll go into some of that in a bit later because you were, you were also, you were also in, in the industry then in about 2000 and 2012 Yes. Yeah, that was at the height of the boom, but but that was that was double the money overnight, which we were like, "This is we've never it's crazy, we've never experienced it." So so you didn't actually. Go, so it was really just. A, it wasn't like here's a massive amount of money come internal. No. bring your network. Do
1: you know what? No, do you know what? It was less money. It was okay. I I even remember it was at least thirty k less. Than what I'd done in agency to go to internal, but I did it for a career move, yeah. and I look at that now and yeah, I, I think because I think we just hadn't quite hit the boom yet; it was coming, but we'd hit we'd been at that end of that really quiet period, and things were starting to pick up. Um, starting to pick up when I sort of left agency because I remember being in the boom in internal um, when I was working for Fulton Hogan and. Um, we won APLNG and I just we just couldn't get enough engineers. We're bringing people over from overseas, visas, things like that. And I remember that time and I think that would have been a great time to be making yeah. money coming from um, agency to internal. But when I kind of did it, it wasn't a pay rise, but I, I kind of was trying to get somewhere in internal uh, career-wise and that's why I did it.
0: So you missed the greatest boom in the history? Oh, yeah. Great, huh? Thank you. What? <laughs> Why? No, no, it was
1: good, though. No, so, I, I do, do really love internal still. So.
0: Okay, so talk to me about, you started internal. I wouldn't be able to do that job. I I wouldn't have the administration skills that were necessary. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to manage 27, 30 recs at a time. I I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have the attention span. It's not me. I I I really do sit on the other side of the fence. Did you have any adjustment period? Are you naturally administrative? Did it, like, what were the key things that, that were?
1: I'm a different internal recruiter. My bosses will be the first to tell you that. I love searching. So my goal was always to reduce agency spend, which I, I don't want I don't I don't want to work with a recruiter like me internally now <laughs> because I'm like no, but but then I, I wanted to I loved filling the senior roles and the challenging roles and being able to do I kind of wanted to be able to do what agencies did but internally because I love the search side of it I'm like you I don't love the admin I'm not gonna lie. Um, I had I, I do remember a couple of contracts I sent to payroll being sent back at one point, and I was like, oh, just let me fill the jobs. Um, but I I do know what you mean by that. I think a lot of I, there's a perception out there that a lot of um, you know internal is admin and things like that, and that's true to a point. But I think as well if if you can apply the skills you learn in agency around headhunting ref leads everything you need to do uh, you know linkedin recruited we didn't have that back then but we've got it now obviously and and using the database or page up like you would another database then you can find candidates it's just it just can't be lazy <laughs> you've you've got to treat it like y- you you would an agency desk that's that's the key but i know that i always got always one of my bosses used to always say slow down lauren the biggest thing i struggle with in internal was speed because i like moving at a fast pace and internal doesn't always move at a fast pace and i used to get frustrated with that you know all the loopholes you've got to go through to fill a role Mm. and i'm trying to keep this candidate warm and i'm going you know do we need to does it need to take this long so that was the biggest thing for me was patience because i think agency really suits people that are driven and, and impatient and want to get things done as quickly as possible. Cause it is a bit of a race sometimes, you know, against other agencies and also to fill the role with the right person as quick as you can. And I think that was a huge adjustment to speed, slowing myself down, being patient and, you know, keeping across multiple different roles at one time.
0: When, when my wife was doing a similar job for BHP and Chevron, um, I suppose at the end, user instead of the contractor, you're you're more on the contractor side, aren't you? With John Holland and yeah, and yeah, yeah. And she just loved the access to being able to really work with the with the decision makers, and especially in that semi-blue collar area of, of supply chain logistics, or people where where were people in Australia are really upfront and they just want the job done. And, and she yep. got a real buzz for that. Was that nice, getting access to,
1: oh, to, yeah. to
0: that site uh, instead of like waiting aimlessly for a resume, feedback on a resume and not having control?
1: Huge. It is. You hit the nail on the head of the, the one thing I've missed going back to agency is that uh, also being able to when you're working internal influence the decision a bit, you know. So if they're recruiting some someone, I used to make a joke to my hiring managers, if they asked me for a candidate that was near impossible, I say, so you want a unicorn or Jesus? Mm. Let's <laughs> actually talk about what we can get here, what's in the market and what compromises we're willing to make. You actually consult with them. Mm. You know, it's 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 so that that's the part I loved. You get to know them really well, who works well with them. And I think that was the psychology part in me coming out where yeah. I, I could sit on the interviews, go, they're not the right culture fit. I, I miss all of that. And that's something that internal has yeah. um, over agency. I think that's one thing that's, that's yeah really invaluable.
0: I remember, I remember Charlotte coming, coming back and she, she had a meeting with, with all the, all the different heads and she said, uh, she said to them, look, what, what's, what's your biggest frustration? How can we solve this? And they're like, Oh, it's just, you know, we're just, not getting what we want of you guys because she was with uh harriet who were like uh, a, a, yeah. a, a, so she was embedded on site and uh and sh- so she just sat down and went okay here's here's all the rec here's all the recs that you have how many of these do you have people lined up internally for and straight away she was able to take off take off 50 percent of the jobs and then go okay like right, we'll focus on this okay how many of these do you have mates who are working over over at uh, uh chevron or, or over at bhp or over over at one of the competitors and uh, oh yeah well we have we have this person this person we're pretty sure on all of that okay right okay so these are the ones where i have to focus my attention and and she found that like really working with these guys and not trying to like put like this is our hr way of doing it like getting mm-hmm. to the outcome was was the way that way that she was able to be really successful with it Just, did you Did you find that yourself?
1: Definitely. Um, I I remember, especially in project recruitment too, you know, so we'd work off um, one of of the projects I was involved in, Gold Coast Light Rail. Basically, when I came in, um, I ended up following my manager from John Holland over to McConnell Dow, so he left. He was great. And I went over there to, I was really interested in that project because John Holland actually bid it and didn't win it. And so I'd started doing a bit of recruitment for it, but we didn't win. So when McDowell won it, it was really yeah, good to go over and do it. And one of the things we did was workforce planning with the, the managers and sitting down with them and going, right, you've got your Primavera project plan and this is when you need the people. Okay, let's work da- work through it so that we're getting the people when you need it and we're looking proactively ahead of time so we're not getting to that point in the project where it's it's time to do the concrete pour or, or something like that and you don't have your structures forming in place and things like that. So I loved that sort of it, working with them um, in the way that they like to work and to achieved timelines and once they saw recruitment as a timeline that saved them money it was Mm. just so much easier to get through those interviews to get the people on board and i I loved that i do miss that (laughs) that's the one thing i miss yeah you know
0: i I mean the hard thing with agency recruitment is repetition of activity breeds success yeah and if you're a strategic person or a thinker that can get in the way of you doing those activities. So you often find that maybe the brightest person isn't the best agency recruiter, and they they can get caught in the in 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 the weeds a little bit. So I can imagine, you know, you've gone to uni, you've tasted what a big agency is. You're moving further up the food chain of 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 helping an organization. This must have been a point in your career where you're like, finally, I'm getting a strategic input.
1: Yeah yeah that's that's true it's, it's interesting too when i started to progress in my career was around the time that i had chill, had my son it was and it was it was a t- turning point for me at, at and on one point where i thought yeah finally i'm getting somewhere um you know getting getting to have some input in the strategy and things like that as well in the organization Mm. um but and in in terms of recruitment and, and probably the stint that I did in um learning and development was really interesting as well to see the other side succession planning talent pooling you know internally and coaching and all that sort of stuff that I got experience in and I enjoyed it but being completely honest um I just missed my my time with my family i just mm. couldn't do I, it was everything i'd always wanted before i had a family <laughs> and then i had a family and my and i don't know if i suppose people aren't always honest about it but i've been really honest with a lot of people um that having kids just changed it completely for me and mm. i wanted something more with flexibility and i was willing to make compromises around you know m- maybe missing some of the stuff that i did internally and career-wise if I could make the same money in agency working from home around the kids. So I, I, I guess in many ways it kind of was a strategic move just to make work suit me rather than the other way around.
0: And I, I'll jump into a little bit of that in, in a minute. Um, so, so your career, when did you have the kids?
1: So my son's four now. Um, so I had my son pretty much um, when I moved into the L&D role. So I was national um, recruiter at Fulton Hogan. And then I moved into group learning and development lead for AU. Um, and my son would have been just turning one then. So just after I got back to work.
0: Uh, uh, just, just another question on, on, on that, that recruitment in that period. So uh, at Fulton Hogan, um, yes. What type of people were you providing to projects or sorry, what projects were you involved in? Was it like the oil and gas or was it mining or was it uh, or was it uh, commercial and residential construction?
1: Okay, so Fulton Hogan was um, civil infrastructure. So um, when I first kicked off, we did um, the Transport Network network Reconstruction Programme, or a lot of roads projects up north with yeah. Transport and Main Roads. Then we did APLNG, which was where it was hard to get people, and that was a massive yeah. earthworks project in Gladstone. Um, and then that, you know, moved on to a lot of um, highway bypass projects, um, a lot of it was predominantly in the roads and civil infrastructure in, infrastructure sector. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we did everything. So we did the internal recruitment and we also looked at redeployment. So we would talk to people before they were leaving a project, chat to them about where they were going, their interests, and then help to redeploy them. So we basically redeployed a whole team from Gladstone over to Canberra um, to do another project to save money and retain staff so we did recruitment as part of what we did but there was a lot more that we were responsible for as well in, in terms of helping with redeployment and keeping keeping staff um, and, and, in the business
0: it, it, yeah so so that and, and and you know a certain amount of the recruitment that you do is redeployment as well because right, yeah. like I can imagine you would have a network of engineers that have that you find them jobs in like it, it's hard for me to describe this for anybody who hasn't worked in Paris or Brisbane, but the market isn't that big, and no. when a good project happens, everybody's trying to get on it, whether they have mining experience or LNG experience, and it's jobs for the boys, and they always find a way to eventually get to that point, whether it's through a contractor or it's at the or it's at the at the end resource like Chevron or whatever, and I can imagine that you must have dealt with similar people or similar groups of people throughout their career on different projects. Was that a large part of your draw as an internal recruiter to companies?
1: Yeah, uh, it was actually. I mean, it was one, it's been invaluable because you know people through different organisations you've worked for and you don't just know them from maybe interviewing them once for a job. When you're working internally, you know, their kids, you know, Um, what they're really like, how they work. Um, And you get to know, you know, you get to know the different people in the different companies as more than just a face and a resume, you get to know and network and know different people in the industries as well. Um, So it was, it was a bit of a draw card. Probably. um, I probably only peaked and really realized the value of that now Mm. because I'm back in agency, you know, I probably only realized more how, handy that is and I think at Fulton Hogan as well I did because Fulton Hogan wasn't hugely known over here not like John Holland and McConnell Dowell they were known more as a New Zealand company and still building their brand so my manager and I both ex-John Holland our challenge was always selling Fulton Hogan and the great thing was because we would built those networks the people we knew at John Holland and things like that we were constantly trying to attract people into the organisation so that's when you start to pick up how important those networks are.
0: So you, you go. You've had a couple of kids. You yes. you've worked from large agency, boutique agency, basic basic role within internal recruitment to working your way up the food chain, to doing the strategic stuff, to even doing learning and development, to re- redistributing talent across the country. Qu- quite a quite a varied career. Yes. Um, Talk to me about uh, firstly what, what what was your decision making process, and, and you can jump into the kids thing as well um, about going back to agency because I've never mm-hmm. come across it. I honestly right, and I have people bluff me all the time from internal recruitment jobs. They say, "Oh, I'd, I'd love a I love a job an agency recruitment job in New York." Like they might be in Manchester or something. i will be like, "Okay, great." I mean, I'm not going to place you because. You don't really want to go back to agency like you don't have the, like there's no way that you could deal with that uncertainty of not knowing where your your paycheck is after being so comfortable for so long. Like what was your decision making process? And walk me walk me through that, because this is the it's a unique it's you have a unique background in, in doing this.
1: Yeah, I, I know because I've actually spoke to a few internal uh, recruiters <laughs> lately with kids and I've got, oh, come with me, come do agency. And they go, no, no, not going back. <laughs> and they go, I don't understand why you're doing it. And and it, and it's interesting because I think it's it's almost like people people see it as agency and, and internal, and it's completely different, never the two shall meet kind of, you know, people different strokes for different folks type thing. Um, but for me... Um, I'll, I'll tell you how it happened. When there was a, at Fulton Hogan, um, there was a restructure in um, uh, the L&D department um, and then basically they there was a move for me um, out, so out, out of Fulton Hogan at that point. Rather than going back into recruitment during that restructure, I decided I wanted to try recruitment somewhere else. And it was through that process I actually came across a small agency and I went into interview with them for a role. Um, with in internal and they said to me what about working for us and I was like oh you mean you almost spat your coffee out? did you <laughs> yeah. you mean going back to agency and they said yeah yeah and look these people were my people you know I I went in their office they had dogs in their office like you know I'm a huge animal lover we just clicked straight away and I and I had come across them in the industry before as really good operators small agency but good operators I, I met them at John Holland and look at that time I went no you know um and I ended up going with Downer and I joined joined Downer and worked with them um it wasn't until um I obviously fell pregnant with my uh, daughter surprise. Um, <laughs> she was the surprise, was she? She was the surprise. Yeah. She was the surprise. We were trying previously, and then obviously our plan was for me to you know work it down for a few yeah. years and then try again. But um,
0: you got them to um, eat more greens, did you?
1: Yeah. Uh, we must have. whatever we did back then worked. And so when I fell pregnant with my second child, um, everything changed. I went okay. I'm just really struggling. I can't, I don't want to navigate this with two kids. And I remembered that meeting I had around agency. And I thought, why? Because my role, the strategic sourcing, a lot of that was headhunting people, searching. It was more like agency. This. Mm-hmm. So the first role with Dana was very much, you know, recruitment, you know, when I was talent sourcing business partner, recruiting day to day for the communications and NBN. But then the strategic role was working through lists of people, hard to fill roles, helping the recruiters find people. So it was really a lot like agency, but internal. And that was when I went, you know what? I reckon I can make a good go with this, in, you know, agency. And I reckon I could do it without, having to be in an office all the time and I can be home with my kids so my daughter's six months old now and I saw this agency advertise again for a technical recruiter and I said I called them up and I said I'm thinking about not going back to downer and doing agency from home for a bit until my kids are older because I reckon I can do it and they reckoned I could do it as well and that's how we we came about doing it for me it was what can I do where I can still still do the searching and still stay in the game
0: yeah. Um,
1: but I don't have to be in an office every day and be away from you know my my kids who are quite young you know four and four and six months Um, and that was kind of how it evolved and And did you find that you were uh, like
0: we've just had two kids under two so our life's kind of hectic and Charlotte set up this business with me and you know she's i think she's always wanted to go back to that point where she was working for chevron and had her glamorous clothes on and <laughs> like 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 that that like that's how i think she visualizes herself not being a rector act with in a wee crappy office that we have um, <laughs> she's got,
1: she's got um, high goals she's this is she's, oh, she's got a different okay. image of herself
0: um, let me tell you that's uh that's that's definitely the case um but I find that, like recently, like so, we've just had the second one. He's twelve weeks old, and
1: congratulations! Yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> and I can see her; she's trying to reestablish what those goals are. She's trying to work out, like, what's her identity now? Like, does she mm-hmm. does she want to come back full time with me, or does she does she maybe want to do something slightly different with our business, or does she want to like explore a talent acquisition position somewhere? And it's it's a tough time for women, isn't it? Like going through like kids change everything right
1: oh yeah yeah
0: like us neanderthal blokes it's so different right all we have to do is double down on who we are that's it
1: i think for i so actually can relate to her there because i felt honestly when i first went to agency i felt like i lost a little bit of my identity too because all of a sudden these i had a it was such a different perspective talking to people from an agency point of view when you've been internal, like I, I did get a frustrated occasion and go, why, why aren't they just letting me recruit? Like, why is it so hard to get in here? And I think it's because I was the same. I saw myself going to to work as an internal recruiter, just getting jobs on and showing, you know, what I could do. And I had this perception of what I I was in terms of career. Mm. And it all changed when I had um, my daughter. And I went, you know, I need to find something where I can work around the kids and not the other way around. I honestly felt when I was doing the L&D and OD type role, as much as I loved because I studied coaching and everything then as well and um, did 360s and got LSI accredited. I got a lot of extra studying and stuff done at that point. I felt like I was trying to fit my son in around my career and I really wanted it to be the other way around. Mm. Not to say I wouldn't want to pick up and, and have a career later. I, I, I didn't think that far ahead, but I, I was getting to that point, you know, especially after my second where I, I went, I want it to be different for me um, for, for, for our family. I want it to work the other way. Um, but I felt I lost, I said this to my husband, I said, you don't, you don't understand, you know, you know, I feel like I've lost a bit of my identity, things that I really enjoyed. I, I kind of, I, I don't do anymore. And then, then, then I've started to develop a, a, a bit of a love for agency, which has quite surprised me um, because it's, it's been so long since I've done it, but I've started to realise there are positive aspects of agency that um I didn't realise probably back when I was recruiting before either. Yeah. Um, and that and, is yeah.
0: And and that's I, I've tried to kinda get that into Charlotte as well. Like so during her pregnancy she studied to be yoga teacher. So I'm like, okay, so look, that's part of your identity now. And You could go work for somebody else 50 hours a week or you could come work for me 20 hours a week and I'll pay you the same, like you'll get the same money out of it. And you can choose what you want to do within the business. You don't have to do any sales. So this this comes on to my next question. Um, The big difference between agency and internal, from a psychological perspective, is you're asking for something. Mm. And how did you how did you get your head around that from a, from a a really professional woman that has like all the control, all the power, all the reputation. You're you're all of a sudden going from having all of that to asking for it and asking just to borrow it for five minutes of probably somebody that's less experienced than you, that you could do their job better than, and you're in a position where they have all the power. how you navigate that?
1: You should ask my husband because I, <laughs> I think I struggled at first. Darling. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Um, <laughs> I, was gonna, I, 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 I can't say it was fine because if he listens to this podcast, he'll turn around and go, come on, Lauren. Um, look, I, I found it hard at first because I felt, I always felt I've always treated agency recruiters as well with respect because I've always felt we do the same thing. We just do it in a different way you know we're all wanting the same outcome we're wanting good people in in positions um, and a talent pipeline that we can work with for the future you know we we're, we're we're all good recruiters you know in in different ways and have different strengths so i'd always had that perception of it but all of a sudden when i was an agency i felt i wasn't getting that same uh, pers- respect that i felt i'd given agencies back so that was the biggest hurdle for me mm. uh, i i was taking it personally i was i said to my husband um you know, he. You know, I'd, I'd have somebody where, you know, I felt I could fill the roles. I'd done so many of the positions, but they've just said, you know, we, we're not going to deal with you. And you know, when the those first couple of times happened, um, I, I was I was frustrated, and I said to my husband, "Why won't they give me a chance? Because I know I can do it." It was almost that that needing to prove yourself was really difficult. But then, what changed for me is um, when I started to get get in touch with some of my connections i'd recruited for before in hr and then my construction managers people i knew and i figured out that they were my best assets the people i knew that know i can do it well why not use their their, um contacts and get in touch with them and help them again they already know i can do the role so i found that that's been working really well for me and i've had um, really good success in agency I've surprised myself I've got contractors out I've made a few placements and I only started a couple of months ago and the reason I've been able to do that is I've also not been not been a wanker I can't put it another way I haven't been a wanker <laughs> the first part it's the
0: first time somebody's said wanker on this podcast <laughs> well,
1: I, I feel that's a proud moment and I should I, have a,
0: I should have an Australian warning Every time one of his <laughs> comes on
1: language warning. Yeah. No, I just thought I, I blame years and years of construction and recruitment yeah. for having to put that in. But to be honest, that's the only difference as well. Is I just I didn't I, I know what it's like to be an internal. I know what it's like <laughs> to deal with lots of different agencies. And I, I think when I started to get my head around that, I started to have more success. And the ones that didn't want to deal with me, I just went. That's fine. I didn't didn't dwell on it but the first couple of times I did I did <laughs>
0: I bet I bet so it has been quite a long time from the first moment that you did agency to going back into uh, over yes. 10 years is that right 10 um, years
1: yes yes it would be 10 years yes okay
0: so 10 years you were in an I'm autocratic so old yeah. thank
1: you for reminding me no. carry
0: you're in a you're in an autocratic agency where I've heard stories that if you didn't make a BD call, you were made stand in your chair or you weren't given a chair to sit down. And I've heard some horror stories of Hayes back then, especially in you had get on
1: the, If you weren't on the phone, they'd say, get on the phone, get on the phone. Yeah. You'd always be on the phone. I, you know, I don't have anything to talk about. Hang on. <laughs> I don't and, know what to say. <laughs>
0: and and so, so you've gone from that as your in- introduction to agency to dogs in the office, casual, ca- people treat me like a grown-up. Being able to work from home, being trusted, being used like for like somebody basically an agency going okay, let's 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 use her for what she's worth, and let's build let's build something around her so we can, you know, you let her use her reputation in the market and her expertise, and let's manage her in a certain way. Is that a societal change? Is it a business change? Like that that wouldn't have existed ten years ago. No. Has this has this surprised you that that this is what we're what we're up to now in, in our industry and it must it must it must a welcome surprise.
1: It it honestly is, and I think you know I have I've honestly talked to my um I've talked about this to my husband a lot as well because he actually works this is where I kind of got the idea. He works for an Icelandic company um, in IT completely from home. They don't have an office over here um, and they're global. And I saw him doing it and I know what we do in recruitment and there's no reason why we can't do a lot of it. Obviously you've got to go out and meet clients, do interviews, but a lot of the other stuff, the sourcing, the making the phone calls, all of the booking, the interviews can be done from home. And I think um, back then, the industry. And I still think I, I have heard there are still big agencies that don't see that now. There are still large agencies that won't offer that flexibility. And sometimes what it means is, um we talk on an internal recruiter who is ex-agency because she wanted to work three days around her kids, whereas probably, if the agency was more flexible, they could have kept her and used her skill set around what she wanting to do with her family. I think companies are starting, so they're saying, um, that eventually this gig economy and the completely flex workforce is going to be the way of the future. And I think smart agencies and particularly smaller agencies, I guess it helps that the agency I'm working with is run by two mums. The directors started it with this in mind. Fantastic. Um, and it- and setting up an office with um, a little corner with um, toys and things like that so you can bring your child in if you need to um, with you and still get that social aspect and work from home when you need to, I think it's it's a needed change. I don't think everyone's there yet. I know there is a lot of, you know, I've actually had... Um, recruiters from large agencies reaching out to me and going what are you doing and um you know i wish we had that kind of flexibility here so there's still a long way to go with other companies but it's just it's smart business i don't know how you find it but if i'm treated with respect trusted um, and i've got the flexibility around my family i'm supremely loyal
0: and yeah I'll- i I, yeah. I have i have certain thoughts on this i mean I, I suppose you're talking to somebody that's that that's had this type of working arrangement. Like I've I've been doing this for a long time. Now, yeah. like we've we've do, we've we've recruited for Australia, the US, China, wherever, and we've been all over the world. We, we we when we started off, we were in Guatemala for for six months until we got paid. So, like I'm all on board for the flexibility in that. But if I look at agency structures, you've earned this move because you've been in the industry so long and you have so many connections you don't need to be mm. trained and and all of that i think i think like flex flexibility and all the rest i think it needs to be earned i think yeah like like oh, like do a year hard graft first like go into the office learn that like get really good at it be around people maybe even two years like whatever it takes for that penny to drop and and like have that marker like if somebody start in australia terms if somebody's able to, to do two and a half placements a month and and okay start testing them from home see if see mm-hmm. if that drops and say hey if you keep on doing this you can stay at home there's no big deal you can go to the beach and do it but i think it, it's harder to induct people to do it the right way and... oh a
1: hundred percent i agree you need to you need to earn your stripes i think yeah. you need to do do the work um, do the eight till six, be on the phone, that you, you know, do the hard yards um, early on, build your desk, build your connections. And then I think that the time it becomes really important, um, well, it has for me is when I had the, my family. Um, up until then, um, I think flexibility was nice, but um, oh, I didn't really mind. I mean, I remember at John Holland having to stay late in the office doing interviews with people out of hours because they didn't want to interview, there were senior candidates who didn't want to interview in, in hours and I just did it. But I look at that now and I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I want to be home with my kids, you know. So, yeah. but it suited, it was okay then. So I think at different times in your life, different things suit you, but you do need to put in the, the hard hard yards. So
0: that's one point I have. The other is when, when you're looking to scale a business, you want the formula to be repeatable. So, it's very hard to scale a business um, that is made up of people like Lauren Carradine who have 12 years experience or 10 years yeah. experience because yeah. they just there's just not a lot of you and there's not a lot of you who'd be willing to go back from uh, from internal to agency and there's not a lot of agency owners that, that would take a risk and go, do you know what? Let, she, she, oh, she'll love it, we're great. Like th- they wouldn't want to damage that. So mm. it, it's very hard and I also think the unique thing about Australia right now is before you could get kids over from England with no experience and put a suit on them and throw them around town and, and they'd make a couple of placements and it'd be great. But now the minimum requirement is that, you know, you need to have a million on the bank. You need to you need to pay them 90, 90 plus super and they have to have three years in a degree or five years without. So yeah. that's created a scarcity in the market and it's raised the overall base salary of what's out there. So you're in a unique marketplace that has all those things happening. And I I also think that Australia has a great culture of boutique recruitment. So people who want to stay in the industry and but don't want to work for a Walters or a or a Hayes or an s 3 you know. So it I I could see more and more companies like your like the one that you're working with opening up and having their little share of the market and and i it'll only do it'll only do better for the industry
1: i i agree as well and and what changed my what changed my i guess perception of it as well was looking at i mean in Hayes you're dealing with as many clients as you can right but in but in you know a boutique agency what i like is a smaller amount of clients that you get to know intimately not as intimate as internal but intimately enough that you know what they're looking for. You know what projects they've got coming up, and you can service them well. Um, and that's where I think boutique has the advantage. I always loved using boutique agencies when I was internal too, because I, I just felt like they were an extension of the business that I was working with. They weren't an agency; they were another, another hands hand of, you know, the set of pair of hands that were going to help me search and fill roles. You know that we did it together.
0: Is, is the next stage for you to be selling retainers to these companies to, to make sure that uh, you're, not, uh, you're not wasting any of your time?
1: I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, that's, that's one thing I haven't. I've been still doing contingent recruitment largely. Um, but, I mean, with, if I'm on a PSL with them and I'm getting to that point where I'm filling a lot of their roles – Um, and I had been having success with one client that comes to mind recently doing that. And, you know, after sort of the fourth or fifth role, I want to turn around and sort of say, you know, let's come up with a contingent arrangement. Um, there are other, you know, there's interesting, a lot of interesting stuff happening in the Australian market as well. There's another camp, a new, new agency around that's trying to, or, or has tried to get, um, hourly rate recruitment from home so where the company give, gives you a job and pays you for the hour um, and pays for a level of experience for their recruiters and basically says yes can you fill this role it will take 10 hours we'll pay you this much an hour interestingly companies haven't you know that that hasn't taken off yet and no I think, it, it won't yeah, it, i don't think it will either you know yeah. and that and, and what, what's your thoughts around why it won't well
0: it, it won't because if somebody if somebody's going to get paid 30 bucks an hour or somebody else could make 15 grand from that yeah. person the, the best person's always going to be the one who's going to lean towards getting paid 15 grand and, exactly. and they're going to win the race to the person because that you know it just makes more sense so I, I always think that anybody that comes into a market and undercuts on price um, is is in for a rude awakening. It like because somebody like somebody else will always work harder to have that candidate pool so they can then sell it at a better price. And if they don't do that and don't sell it at a better price, then more fool them. Like they they won't be able to stay in the industry whenever it dips and then they don't have any money. So
1: yeah, yeah, and and I think. Yeah, the part that I've found really interesting, to be honest, coming back to agency is just that I can fill less roles. And this is one thing for your wife. You can actually fill less roles and make similar money. <laughs> That's the best part of it, <laughs> um, you know, because when you're in internal, you've got 30 or 40 roles and you can't choose what you do. You've got to do it all and slog, you know, do the hard slog. And, you know, it's, diff- it's a different challenge in agency. But, yeah, I mean, you, you you fill a role and you get good commission, you know, as opposed to feeling 30 or 40 and then waiting for the next project where you get, you know, another 30 or 40 to go through again.
0: All right. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to have a chat with me and um, I am going to go and eat my hat because I said, if anybody ever from internal told me that they go back to agency and give me good reasons why I would. So I've really enjoyed speaking to you. And it's been
1: really interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I wish you that I wish you the best and it sounds like you're on to a good
1: thing. Okay, thanks and thanks so much. It's a, it's been great catching up with you as well and all the best with your your new little one as well. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks. Bye.
0: Well, a massive thank you to Lauren for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed going through her experiences, and you know the the differences between internal and agency, and you know what it takes to to make the move one way, and then to to make it back, and some of the challenges that uh, that she's faced. It was cool to get into the detail on that. It it fills me up full of hope that agencies are starting to be able to attract credible people back into the industry. So it's not just some kid on their first job and you know, get there's a phone book, go annoy a thousand people. It, it it's, it's been able to bring somebody with 10 years experience back in and say, look, we respect what you've done. It's not exactly what you'll be doing with us. So you'll have to make some adjustments, but we'll also make adjustments for you. And we'll recognize that you have kids And that'll mean that you can work from home for quite a bit of the time. And we'll be as flexible with our targets and all the rest as as much as possible. And in return, you know, we'll all do better because you're credible and you don't need handheld. And, you know, it's better for our brand that we're able to take somebody who has lots of experience from an industry and help improve our reputation in the market. So I think it's really forward thinking on the agency's behalf, and it it won't come without its challenges. And working from home and being target driven is tough. And I'm sure, I'm sure Lauren will, uh, will will face some of those challenges in in the coming year. But I think the other point that that that, that we jumped into is that it has to be earned, like. It, I really don't think we're at a point where we can train in rookies from home and give them all the flexibility. I think you need to have your, like, you have to have earned your, your, your you have to have really earned your stripes and, and, and tr- you know, trust, trust is earned. But once it's earned, I think we, we really need to embrace this and realize that the world of work is changing and we need to change with it. So, a uh, great guest. Massive thank you to her for coming on. Really enjoyed uh, having the conversation and I wish her the best for the future.